<laughs> I hear people laughing in the front row. <laughs> they see that, uh, it's gluttony, oh no. <laughs> yeah, no one's, guilt, no one's innocent right now, right? <laughs> My name is Miguel. I am the, uh, one of the pastors here. I lead the Crystal Lake campus. Pleasure to be with you. I'm excited about this. And um, yeah, yeah, praise the Lord. Um, I heard a story, uh, this is great. I heard a story uh, of a woman in Texas. And this woman had, as her house pet, a python snake. Okay, <laughs> okay, I heard a little, little rumbling there, yeah. Uh, a python snake, and she loved this snake, it was great, she took care of it. And uh, one day she decided she was going to sleep with her snake. No. No. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> she decided to sleep with her snake, and so uh, some time passed and she realized that the snake wasn't eating anymore. And she thought, what's going on? This is a problem. I got to take it to the vet. She, took, she, she takes this snake to the vet. The vet, you know, you know, diagnoses it in whatever way or fashion that he did it and asks several questions. And then he turns to the woman and he asks this question. He said, have you ever woken up and, uh, you know, with your snake in the bed uh, and the snake was just stretched out next to you? She said, well, Yes. Yes, it, I've seen it a couple different times now. What's going on? He goes, well, I got good news and bad news, okay? Good news is I know why your snake is not eating. The bad news is, is because it's preparing itself to eat you. The snake was sizing her up, preparing its stomach to eat her. <laughs> How could something so good, right, get so bad? How could a mere house pet, okay, snake, house pet become a monster within, okay? You get where I'm going. We are in a series, week three of the monsters within, and we're talking about the seven deadly sins because sin often acts like this where something good all of a sudden becomes so bad. In fact, so often the way we can define sin is simply the wrong use of the right thing. The wrong use of the right thing. Hear me out. Last week we heard Pastor Sean uh, talk about uh, sexual desire and lust. Nothing wrong with sexual desire. God, God created that. He gave it to us, all that. But the wrong use of it can be disastrous. Nothing wrong with money. But the wrong use of it can be trouble in your life. Nothing wrong with worship. We just had a great worship moment. But the wrong use of worship, the Bible calls idolatry. And here's the thing. What God created, he created the world and everything in it. What God created, sin distracted. What God created, sin distracted. So now we're trying to navigate this life in something that is so good, all of a sudden becomes so bad. And this is why people might even argue with you, uh, but why do I feel this way? I have these Feelings, right? I'm in my feelings, right? Like, why, why do I feel this way? And if it was wrong, why would God give me these feelings, right? Again, it's simply the wrong use of the right thing that makes it wrong or sinful. So today, I'm going to be talking about something that has been absolutely misused and abused in our culture today. So today, I'm going to be talking about gluttony. 
<laughs> yeah, gluttony today. Now here's the thing. You might look at this and you're like, ew, that's gross. That's nasty, Miguel. That's gross. Some of you might look at this and be like, man, my nightstand looks a lot like, okay. Or some of you might be like, man, I'm kind of hungry for lunch now. Is that a bad thing, Miguel? Like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I get it. I get it. You know, and you're th- you might even be thinking like, hey, Halloween's right around. Like, it's coming up. Why would you talk about this, Miguel? Right before the greatest overindulgence of candy day of the year, Halloween, right? <laughs> Very strategically, the Lord has led me to this place, okay? So, and I get it. Halloween, you know, I have five kids of my own. It is the sweetest and also most discouraging day of the year for them because we gather pounds and pounds of candy. We pour it all into this mountain of candy, all for them to hear, sorry, no, you cannot eat it all. Sorry, sorry. And then for the next several months, nay, I say years, they want a candy for every meal of every day, okay? I get it, I get it. But today we're talking about gluttony. Let me just give you a quick definition of, of gluttony. In its simplest definition, gluttony is the overindulgence, overindulgence of food and drink. Again, nothing wrong with food, nothing evil or bad about food, right? But the wrong use of it can become a stronghold in our life, a monster within. And here's the thing. <laughs> we live in a culture today of supersize me, Right? Taco Tuesdays and Waffle Wednesdays and French Fry Fridays and all-you-can-eat buffets, right? <laughs> we live in this culture. We live in it so much so that, you know, if you follow the Lord, you're a church goer, you're a Christian, right? You, we even pray over things like this. And it's kind of like when we pray, <laughs> when we pray, it's like we're asking God to make up for our Poor choices. Okay, so for example, if you ever use the phrase in a prayer, if you ever use the phrase, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of my body. You ever pray this? Okay, I have. Okay, but you, you, you sit here, Lord, bless this cheesy gordita crunch <laughs> and jumbo Dr. Pepper to the nourishment. Lord, you are the way maker. Allow it to nourish me in some way. Dear Lord, God of miracles, make this gordita into a garden salad on the way down. Spirit of low carb, right? Like just, you're just there. Like we pray over those kinds of things. And we're like, what, what are we saying in those moments? But I mean, we live in this culture, right? All day long, we're, we're just engulfed in it. There's some... Interesting facts. I want to get to the word of God here in just a moment. Let me just share some facts here uh, of today. The CDC reported in September that the number of states with high obesity rates nearly doubled over the last two years as Americans grappled with pandemic stress. That's real. Obesity increased during the coronavirus pandemic and stressed Americans as they lost jobs, changed eating habits, reduced physical activity, and had higher rates of food insecurity, uh, Nadine said. Nadine Gracia, a CEO of Trust for America's Health. So there's just this massive thing going on in our culture, especially today. Um, another, Fatima Cody Stanford, a Massachusetts General Hospital and Harvard Medical School obesity medicine physician and scientist. Whew, big title. 
Here's what she said. Stress often triggers changes in eating habits. Stress is the number one cause we see for a shift in weight. Stanford said this, though. We definitely had a change in our physical activity, but we also saw a change in what we craved. That's key. Your cravings for food change when you undergo stress. Now, I need to make a disclaimer here. Okay, disclaimer, I want to say this. I am not a medical doctor. I'm not a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or a nutritionist, okay? Um, I am a pastor and a student of the word of God. And as much as people are struggling with obesity or other health-related issues in our country, what I've learned from scripture, and you need to hear this today, what I've learned from the word of God is this, gluttony is not a physical weight issue, it is a spiritual weight issue. Gluttony is not a physical weight issue. It's a spiritual weight issue because here's the thing. I have seen and know some people who may be considered small or thin due to their biology and their metabolism that works way different than mine. And yet they overindulge in eating and drinking. They would struggle with Gluttony, because it's not a physical weight issue, it's a spiritual weight issue. It is a battle, a monster within. And and when it comes to food, again, nothing wrong with food. Uh, It's good. God created it for us to survive, for us to be uh, replenished, and it's all wonderful. and, And it's this good thing that God has given us. But sin enters our life when we allow a good thing to become an ultimate thing. This happens all so often when we allow a good thing to become an ultimate thing. How does this even happen? Because we start out with something so good and somehow it becomes an ultimate thing in our life. I don't know if you've ever been to the movie theaters before, but at the movie theaters, you go to the concessions. Have you ever noticed this? And you get a medium, a medium, a medium size drink and popcorn, and you can barely carry it back to your seats. You're, ugh. all right, let's go. We're going to have to, maybe, maybe go. We'll, we'll be back. All right, we're, like it's, there's, it's huge. And then what they say is, you, know, <laughs> you got this 44-ounce soda, which is a medium, and they say, for only 25 cents more, you can have a 64-ounce large and it comes with free refills. Now hold on. <laughs> 64 ounces. The movie's a couple hours long. If I need a refill after I've gulped down 64 ounces, you know, I'm going, I might, I might need to pay attention to this thing, right? According to a study that was done by two different people, Nelson and a person named Barry Popkin, between 1977 and 1996, almost 20 years of a study, they, they found this food portion sizes increased both inside and outside of the home for all categories except pizza. Apparently pizza did not need an increase. The sizes of the increase, though, are really substantial. Hamburgers ha- have expanded by 23% 
A plate of Mexican food is 27% bigger. Soft drinks, like I just shared, have increased in size by 52%. Snacks, whether it's potato chips, pretzels, or crackers, are 60% larger. Now listen to this. According to an article by the ABC News, here's what they just wrote up. Food portions have been gradually getting larger because that's what consumers want. It's called value sizing. You get more food for the dollar. Okay, I've seen that. Um, The problem is whether you want so much food or not, the more you're served, the more you eat. The more you're served, the more you eat. Now, hang in there with me. Okay, we're going to get to the Word of God in just a second. Just check this out. At Penn State University, they tested this theory. Penn State University College of Health and Human Development, uh, they put this theory to the test. Volunteers were given a different amount of macaroni and cheese each day for lunch. Researchers then watched to see if larger portions resulted in greater consumption. And the study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition was led by Barbara Rawls. Here's what she said. It didn't matter if it was men or women, dieters or non-dieters, people who were overweight or not, people who habitually cleaned their plate or not. She said, everyone responded to the increased portion size by eating more. On average, she said, volunteers ate 30% more from a five-cup portion of macaroni and cheese than from a serving one-half its size without reporting any feeling fuller after eating. And perhaps, she writes this, what's even more troubling is that most of the volunteers never even noticed when the portions were getting larger. She says, I think it's astounding because we were serving them in a little booth alone in a lab where they had nothing to do but pay attention to the food. And she says, think about what we go to when we go to restaurants distracted by our friends and other things going on. You are less likely in that situation to notice a portion size. So we allow a good thing to become an ultimate thing. If you're convicted, so am I, okay? If, when we allow a good thing to become an ultimate thing in our life, and listen, when that happens, often we don't even know it. We don't even see it happening. So what does the Bible have to say about this? What does the word of God say about this? Because the Bible talks extensively about gluttony. But the challenge for us today, and if you're not hearing it yet, the challenge is gluttony is the most acceptable sin in our culture. It is the most acceptable sin in our culture. When we talk about the seven deadly sins, we see the wretched evils of pride and lust and sloth. And then we get to gluttony and we're like, eh, not so bad, you know? There's like this whole different connotation about it, right? And it's almost like we treat it as a lesser sin. Ah, come on, come on. Not that big a deal. But let me just share what the word of God has to say about gluttony and buckle your seatbelts. It's some pretty strong language here. Here it is. Proverbs 23, verses 1 through 3. When you sit to dine with the ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies for that food is deceptive. Whoa. And in the New Testament, Philippians 3, verses 18 through 19, Paul says this, For, as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, right? Passion. 
Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And we're like, yes, yes, they do. This world is an enemy, right? Like, oh, there's so many bad things happening, right? Enemies, who are these people? Now listen, he says, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So let me just be clear from up front. Here's what the, according to the word of God, gluttony is a very serious sin. Gluttony is a very serious sin. But let me just, real quick, let me talk about sin theology, homardiology. Let me just talk about it for a moment because we live in a culture today where we're like, that's not sin. That's not a sin, Miguel. That's just life. That's 2021. That was, that was way back in ancient days. It's not a sin anymore, right? Or you might talk to someone who's like, nope. It's not a sin. I I disagree, right? Or we look at things that we say that are called sin, but it's really not that big a deal, right? Personal preferences and all of that. We live in that culture. But let me go ahead and help us understand this sin theology, this understanding of, of why we think that and what's going on, because so many of us go, that's not a big deal, Miguel. That's not a big deal. When it comes to any sin, listen carefully. It is not about how big or small I think that sin is. It has nothing to do with that. Nothing at all. It has nothing to do with how great you think it is or is not. That's actually irrelevant. Listen carefully. It is about the greatness of the one we've sinned against. That's the issue. The greatness of the one we've sinned against. Let me give you an example. If I lie to a rock, no consequences. If I lie in court, serious consequences. If I lie to an infinite almighty God, I am infinitely guilty. Infinite consequences. You see, it's not a matter of how we view this sin, whether this, this, this sort of the sin measurement, it's not about this, how we measure it, it's so much more about his magnificence. And John the Baptist said it best. When he's, when he's looking at this, he's understanding what God's, this whole idea, and he says it in John 3.30, he says, he must become greater, I must become less. He must become greater. I must become less. It is not about how great or small we think our sin is. It is the greatness of the one we've sinned against. That is the issue. That is the central idea. He must become greater. I must become less. How does this happen? How do we do this? We have disciplines in our life where we actually try to do this. Prayer and fasting is a very common thing for us in our culture. And I love it. It's great. Prayer, you know, connection with God and, and fasting, you know, disconnecting from the world so that I can have a little more attention with God and focus on the Lord. All that is good. But then something good, we turn it bad and we turn fasting into a dieting program. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? I'm not saying intermittent fasting is, is something you should not do. No, no, no. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. It's good for your body. It's good for your health. If, you, if that's what you're doing, wonderful, okay? Great. What I'm talking about is biblical fasting. Biblical fasting is not a dieting program. It's a die-to-self lifestyle. Do you see the difference? It's a die-to-self lifestyle that actually says, okay, Lord, I, I, I'm going I'm to not do this, 
and fast from this so that I can pay attention to you and realize that this world isn't going to satisfy me um, and, and, and I'm not going to go to food or, or, or emotionally or spiritually, that you are my supply. That's what fasting says. Now listen to what Jesus said too. He, he, he talked about this and he understood this idea of gluttony and all this and that. In John chapter 4, verses 31 through 34, it says this. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, did he get, did he get, you go through a drive-thru or something? He goes, he goes, no, no. Could someone have given him, have brought him uh, food? And he says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Here's the thing. Gluttony has been a temptation for so many people all throughout history, all throughout scripture. Let's start from the beginning. In the beginning, God created everything. In Genesis, sin entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve because they were tempted with food. Do not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It starts right there. In in Genesis 25, Jacob and Esau... Esau was the person in line to receive the birthright from his father, Isaac. Jacob used food and Esau's gluttonous desire for it to trade a bowl of soup for his birthright, and Esau did it. And years later, people would describe God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, not Esau, of Jacob. It should have been Esau. And now today we have a lot of people named Jacob, and that's great. Maybe there would have been more Esau's today if he wouldn't have eaten that soup. I don't know. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Esau, man. Not Esau. At the beginning of Daniel, you read the story of Daniel. Daniel's just taken captive, and now they're in Babylon, and, and they have this spread of food, and man, it was awesome. Right? But then Daniel says, He chose, decided in his heart that he would not defile himself with the royal food and wine. So Daniel ate healthy vegetables and water while everyone else ate other things, right? And then, of course, Jesus was tempted by Satan when he said, Satan said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, change that rock into bread. Jesus answered, Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And gluttony today, listen, it is no different today than it was then. The problem today is that everything in us wants more. We want more. We can't take it. We just need more. We want more. Our bodies are tired. Our minds are tired. We're hungry. Our emotions are in chaos and everything around us in the world is fighting for our attention to be satisfied in that. Everything is fighting for for our allegiance and our attention and just to be satisfied in it. So much so that today we actually are so consumed feeding from the things of this world that we actually call it a news feed. We call it a news feed. And so we scroll 
feeding off of it all. The first thing we do when we wake up in the morning, we grab our phones, you know, we're just feeding, right, off of it. And in case you didn't notice it before, just to remind everyone, there's a food icon on the back of our phone with a bite taken out of it. As if to say, we are feeding from this all the time. We're consumed by it. We have to have TV, series, movies, binge watch until 3 a.m. in the morning. What's binging? That's overindulgence. Gluttony. And we all regret it the next day. Man, it's a bad choice. Let me take a sidestep here for a second. Because we even overindulge, and listen carefully, in Christian news... So much so today that most of us don't even know our Bibles. What we know, lean into this, what we know is our favorite speakers and what they know. And we know what our favorite authors know. And we would know what our favorite podcasts know. And we've been feeding off of a secondhand scripture commentary and overindulging in that. And then we, we have produced in churches everywhere everywhere where we walk around talking like we know what we're saying and know what we're talking about when we have no idea. And the moment someone questions that, we get angry and defensive because we're really good at just repeating what other people have said, but we've not allowed the word of God to change us from the inside out because we've actually opened it up for ourselves and read what it actually says, not a secondhand scripture experience. We've overindulged in it Way too much. And so write this down if you're taking notes. Intimacy with God is not information about God. Intimacy with God is not information about God. The reason why we are not satisfied in Jesus is because we lack intimacy with God, a real relationship with him. Him, information about God, is a poor substitute for intimacy with God. And we have become sick, right, in all of this gluttony. In fact, A.W. Tozer said it this way. He said it well. For millions of Christians, God is no more real than he is to non-Christians. They go through life trying to love an ideal and be loyal to a mere principle. We're sick from this gluttonous approach to life that it has ironically left us empty. It's left us empty. And what's interesting is, listen, you and I know you can catch sickness, but you can't catch health. You realize that? You and I can catch sickness, but you can't catch health. Health is intentional. Health is disciplined. And so is our spiritual health and understanding what the monster within is trying to do. And after 2020, many of us have become hungry, but not for Jesus. We are still eating from the worldly solutions that are revered at the slops of our culture. We're not desperate enough for him. We've become content with what we were never, ever made to crave. 
And I have found this time and time and again that people are not happy. They're chasing after every other thing. They're running after food and running after everything else to try to just indulge in it and find something, feel something, and they run there and realize it's not going to satisfy them. And something I've just learned over time is just that the more you do as you please, the less pleased you are with what you do. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a fortune teller here. I'm not trying to predict the future. I've just been a pastor for over 20 years, and I'm realizing that's happening all the time. But I've also found the same to be true, that the more you do as he pleases, the more pleased you are with what you do. Life is not about my pleasure. It's about his purpose. When we live for his purpose, we find pleasure in it, and we find our purpose but Miguel, sometimes we just need a binge watch. We, uh, we just need to get away, unwind a little bit. Come on. Well, how's that working for you? If you're like me, you've realized that Netflix has no net gain. And this is what we do. We try to self-care our way to wholeness and be healthy. We try to figure out our way and we self-care because we know we need something. Something is calling out, a craving in us. So we try to binge watch and we eat and we drink and we overindulge in a bunch of different things. But understand that self-care is not self-indulgence. Self-care is not self-indulgence. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Paul says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now listen to this part. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, and here's the famous verse, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I bet you've never even heard of that verse in the context of gluttony. So many of us haven't. But here's what the bottom line that Paul's trying to say. Gluttony is about wanting more, but life in Christ is about being content with less. Gluttony is about wanting more. Life in Jesus is about being content with less. Why? Because Jesus is all you need. He is everything and more. He is the excess. He's more. And he summarizes it so well in John chapter 6. He says this in John 6, 35. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And the reason why we're not satisfied in Jesus is because Jesus is just an appetizer to us. He's not the main course in our life. We start our day with a little Devo and forget him the rest of the day. We come to church on Sunday and by Tuesday we're doing the same thing. Nothing's changed. And round and round we go, we chase after everything. And when our feeble attempts to save and satisfy ourselves doesn't work, we realize he's all we need. Ultimately, here's what I'm saying today. We must find our full satisfaction in Jesus. Everything in Jesus, yes, including our physical experience 
all in Jesus. Psalm 34, eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed, what does that mean? Happy is the one who takes refuge in him. And when we've searched everything and everywhere and we've realized nothing's gonna satisfy me. When we get to that point and we finally realize he's all we need, understand this. For many of us, that might take hitting rock bottom because of our pride and stubbornness. It might take us hitting rock bottom, but rock bottom is not a place to give up. It's a place to build on because now it is a solid rock perspective that nothing in this world will satisfy and all I see is Jesus. And if that's you, understand the reason we're not satisfied in this world is because you and I were not created for this world. Listen to the words of C.S. Lewis. He says this, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. We were made for a different place. And this world is shouting from every side to go on their side and take their allegiance. They're shouting and convincing us, you're gonna find satisfaction in that. So go to that side and go to this side and do that. But Jesus does not take sides. Jesus takes over and he says, I am the bread of life. Everything you'll ever need is found in Jesus. He is the hope of the oppressed. He brings death to life. He turns my mourning into dancing. He can fill every part of my hungry soul. He turns graves into gardens. He is the way that every soul needs to go. He is the truth every person is searching for. And he is the life that every human being on the planet needs to experience and live out. He is Jesus, the son of God, the savior of the world. He is everything for everyone, every time, in every kind of way. He is Jesus, I'm going to go off script here for a second, okay? I wonder if there's someone here today that just needs to receive Jesus. Gosh, I didn't do this last service. This is new. I wonder if someone here today has just been searching and running for every other thing in this world. And you're lost and you're hurting and you see no purpose to life. And I wonder if today something spoke to you and you just need to stand up and say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. That's it, it's done. I give him my heart and all of it. And today you wanna give your life to Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity right now with everybody looking, with everyone looking around, If that's you, I'm just gonna count to three and I just want you to stand up where you're at. This is gonna take some courage. I get it because your palms are sweaty and your heart is pounding. But today is the day of salvation. It has always been about Jesus. It'll always continue to be about Jesus. So when I count to three, you explode out of your seat. Do not wait for anybody else. One, two, three, stand up. If you need to turn to Jesus, I see you. Come on, church, come on. Come on. We need to find Jesus, and our full satisfaction is found in Jesus. 
in his blood we find fulfillment and salvation. We can't take time or afford to stop. We have a calling on our church and a world to reach. Today's the day of salvation. I want everyone else to stand. I want everyone else to stand and let me pray. Heavenly Father, would you take our hearts today? Help us to stop chasing after everything and finally come to the truth and realization and revelation that you are all we need. And today we give you our hearts in Jesus' name.